Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Today, we're going to focus in on marriages. Now, if you're not married in, your, in this room, you may be a widow, a widower, you may be too young to be married, or you may have gone through a divorce or even a second divorce. I want you to pay very, very close attention and gather in the information that is going to be coming your way. Because the Bible says, take a look at Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15 on the side screen, the way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 13.10 says, pride leads to conflict, but those who take advice are wise. So this morning, I'm just going to interview Pastor Tim in a, in a, in a, in just for a little while, asking him some questions that I believe are going to help with this advice that is given. And by the way, the Bible says, the word of God is a lamp to my feet, it's a light into my path. So it can't just be any advice. It's gotta be advice that comes straight out of the knowledge of the word of God. So that's what we're gonna share with you. And it might help you in an impasse. It might help you if there's a catch 22 going on. It might help you if there's any area in your relationship where you just need to know how to get unstuck. You're going to get it this morning. Now, 15 years ago, you and Rebecca began to uh, carve out a ministry of renewal and rescue 101 and 201 weekend seminars for about a day and a half, where you help married couples of all ages just get unstuck, really move their marriage forward, you know, kind of keep from becoming complacent. And you've helped a lot of people over the years. But where did that come from? Where did that seed, that desire in you and Rebecca both come from that made you want to specifically help marriages? Well, like many marriages, our marriage came to a crossroads about five years in where we had this catastrophic event happen and we could either uh, decide to quit and move on and go our separate ways, or we could dig in and decide that we were going to make this disaster into a triumph, uh, make this crucifixion into a resurrection, uh, like Jesus is so good at doing. And because of that, that failure, it caused us to go out and get the best information that we could possibly get and, and applying that information to our marriage so that we could have the marriage that we always wanted and always dreamt of. Well, and therefore you started helping and now over 2,500 people have gone through your seminar classes and you have seen a lot of people over the years, you have helped a lot of people and you've dealt with almost every problem that any age married couple could be dealing with. Is that right? Pretty much, Okay, yes. so here's the first I question. I still get surprised every once in a while, I'm not gonna lie. Are you, do you really still get surprised? <laughs> just a little bit. Well, let's just say and that there are, there are people today that we have seen and, and uh, it's a trend almost. It's not just, just to say, it's a trend that's happening where people will go through the years of, of raising kids and then all of a sudden they're in high school and then they're out of high school. And now the marriage after 20 years, 20 year plus, there's a trend that marriages and families are breaking up after 20 years of investment into each other. Man, what is that trend all about? What's happening? Almost always. 
almost always it's due to neglect. Anything that we have in our life that we value, we have to take care of. We have to do upkeep. We have to do maintenance. We have to make sure that we're doing the things that we need to do to to keep that treasure in our life, our home, a vehicle, whatever it is that's important to us, to keep it running and to keep it keep it going on on a successful level. And marriage is no different. And unfortunately, what happens in relationships is we're really, really good at uh, investing in our, maybe our fiance or somebody we're dating or our spouse early on in marriage. We're really good at investing in them and and winning them over and trying to do our best to to make sure that they know that that we love them and we date and we do all those things. We do really, really good until you know, maybe a couple of years after marriage. And then our, our focus changes. Our focus changes as a family. We usually start to focus now on uh, our job and earning an income and then maybe buying a house and then having kids. And then our focus is on our kids. And then we get down the road to where we're about ready to be an empty nester. Our kids get out of the house and we look at each other and go, now, why are we together? And it's because we have just neglected that precious gift that God has given us as far as marriage. Okay. So the neglect has happened. Mm -hmm. This couple's at an impasse. You know, she's kind of hurt. She's got walls up. You know, he feels disrespected. So he gets aloof and kind of gets quiet. And, and, and so there's, that's going on. What do you do to fix that once the neglect has kind of been implanted in that marriage? Well, anytime you fix something, you've got to fix something in your house. You got to fix something uh, maybe that's going on at your job. You first have to identify what the problem is. What do we need to fix exactly? And like anything else that we build, there is al- it always starts with a foundation. And there is a foundation that has to be strong in our marriage. And that foundation is made up of five different things. First of all, covenant. Now, covenant is something that is very important because covenant says that I'm in this with you for the long haul. And when, anytime God did something very important in scripture or he made a promise to his people, he always did it with a covenant. And so for many of us, when we got married, we got married maybe in a church or we got married uh, by a pastor. And within that marriage ceremony, we did a covenant. We did vows to each other. And those vows said things like for better or worse, richer or poor. They said things like, I'm going to love you as much as Christ loves the church, which truly says I would die for you. And so that covenant is is made up front. Now, many times, especially in today's society, people don't necessarily get married with a covenant. Maybe they go to the justice of the peace, or maybe they just uh, do it really quickly. They sign a marriage license and they don't do a covenant. And so a lot of times we renew vows for those that are already married. Maybe they didn't get to start off with covenant and they want to now. And so we do that a lot where we have people will just come up and we'll just say, hey, let's, let's start this off with a covenant from here on, for, uh, from, from here on out. And, and we say that it's no matter what we're together. We don't bring up the D word about divorce or splitting up or we don't have other options on the side of, well, if this doesn't work out, I can do this. We believe without a shadow of a doubt, we're together for the long haul. So covenant is huge. And then we talk about trust. Trust is huge. You can't have a friendship or a relationship without some trust and trust can be fractured. And so in 1.0, we talk about if it's fractured, if that's the problem within your foundation, then these are the things that you need to do to earn back that trust. And trust then is linked very closely closely to the third foundation, which is forgiveness. And forgiveness is something, uh, trust is something that's not mandatory. 
Trust is something that is earned, but forgiveness is mandatory. The Bible says that we're supposed to forgive others. And if we don't, Christ doesn't forgive us. Then there's the true love factor. Some people don't even really know what love is. But 1 Corinthians 13 talks about that love is an action. Love is not an emotion. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is all those beautiful things uh, that Paul describes in that letter to Corinth. And it's very important that if we're really going to love each other, that we're doing those things within our relationship. And not only true love, but then true friendship. Are you friends anymore? I mean, a lot of times you get down the road and because your marriage is in a, a state of neglect, you haven't been a friend to each other like you should have. Do you have emotional intimacy? Do you have social intimacy? Are you a recreational partner to the person that you're living with? That is so yeah, important because a lot of times our, our, reac- our, re- our recreation through the years shifts towards our kids. Our kids are our recreation and then they're gone and we forgot even what we like to do together. So when, when you got to fix something, you got to figure out what's wrong, and it will usually come back to one of those five you know, things. That friendship is so very, very important because I think, I think couples forget this. And, and listen to me for a second. If you're, if you're a married woman, he fell in love with a girlfriend. The one he fell in love with was the girlfriend part of you. And she fell in love with the boyfriend part of you. So you can never lose that factor. You can't lose that boyfriend-girlfriend kind of connection that you have. You can't let everything else in life get in the way of you guys still being best friends. 42 years of marriage, New Anne, a couple years before that, she is my best friend on the planet, and she would say the same about me. It is so important that you never, ever lose that that factor in friendship. And never stop dating. Yeah. Never stop hanging out. I mean, we were so good at dating before we were getting married and then we forget how to do that. And sometimes guys, especially, you know, when you get over 50 and you're an empty nester, sometimes the best date you can have is at home. Mm. But yeah, you bring Preach in food, you, you, you know, you, you cook for each other, you oh. do something special. You don't have to go out to have a really awesome date night, but it takes that planning to make sure that you you're still You go to the that. movie theater and you get the big bucket of popcorn and you take it home and watch an old Western. You That's can do I'm that. Doing. They will, yes. Come on, come on with that right you there. You can check out popcorn from Regal Cinema. Yes, yeah, you yeah, yeah. The yes. picture shows seven bucks, man. There I'm you telling go. you right now. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so let's get more specific. What areas are you seeing that women would say, that husbands would say, this is what's being neglected? Get specific with it. So almost always, once again, and this was the case for Rebecca and I, it was unmet needs. So we've all been taught love languages and we understand that there's service and touch and time and verbal affirmation, those things. Uh, But the thing is, is it's not enough just to know what those love languages are needs and understanding how to meet each other's needs is what fulfills those love languages. And so many times out of ignorance, or maybe we've just forgotten, we don't find out really what our spouse's needs are, or maybe we find them out, but we don't learn how to meet them. And it's pretty specific, the teaching on needs, because it talks about the fact that there are five basic needs for a man, five basic needs for a woman. And on average, those pretty much line up. And and really we have more than five, but these five needs are key. And what, what it says is, is what's, what, what the research says is is that if you don't meet the needs of your spouse, your marriage only has a 5% chance of making it for the long run. 
Did you say 5%? 5%. Yeah. And so, so a lot of times people uh, end up meeting each other's needs because they just share some of the same needs. And so usually you, you meet the needs of yourself. So in, in doing that, you meet the needs of your spouse. Oh. And so, you know, you can make it for the long haul meeting some needs, but your marriage will not be as fulfilling as it could be. It won't be as awesome as it could be. So what we want to do is we want to figure out what all the needs are, and we want to make sure we understand how to meet those needs. Yeah, and those got to be communicated over different seasons in life yes. because they're going to change. Yes. What were needs in your life or priority needs in your life in your 20s are not going to be the same in your 60s. So the only way your mate is going to know that, don't make them guess, you have to tell them that. Because if you don't meet the needs in your mate, if she's not meeting your needs, it's going to leave one of you feeling lonely Therefore, you're going to be vulnerable, thus the 5%. Yes. Next question. Everything is competing for a person's time and attention these days. Everything. How does that net out when it comes to a husband's time and attention and a wife's time and attention? So one of the things that we do in 1.0 is we have worksheets that help you spell out what your priorities are now and what they should be. And then how to change that, how to change to get to where, to the point where you are setting your priorities. Because here's the thing, guys, if you don't set your priorities, the world will. The world will absolutely set them for you. Now, the cool thing about priorities is the Bible lays out what those should be. It's not a guessing game. First is God, right? God should be first, should be then wife, then your kids, then your service to God, then your job, and then other family and, and relative, friends and relatives after that. So that's the way that it should be. But unfortunately, in to say, today's society especially, that's usually flipped. Usually work is up here and God's somewhere on the bottom. And the thing is, guys, if we miss on the God part of it, oh, man. if we're not checking in with God on a daily basis, he's, he's the God of love. He's the God that has all the answers. So if we're not spending time with him daily, we will never be what we should be to our spouse. Yeah. And guys, I think that, please hear me when I say this. This is so important. You can gather a lot of information about a lot of different things, and you can have a lot of knowledge. But if you are not tucking into God, your heavenly father, every morning as a woman or as a man, then everything else is just ingredients that will not come together. I was in a situation where there was a, a person in the room um, that was not saved and just kind of didn't have a good attitude toward Christians or toward God. And anyway, Dan asked me, he said, hey, dad, we're going to pray. And I go, man, I got it. So I, another guy kind of reached over and grabbed my hand and it was a hunting situation. So these were kind of rougher type people. This guy grabbed my hand. I reached over and grabbed this, this gal who's a guide, grabbed her by the elbow. She's kind of reaching down, getting some salad, grabbed her by the elbow and started praying. And when I did, she just kept clanging the, 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 the tongs or whatever you call them, inside the bowl of the salad while I'm praying. So I grabbed her elbow a little bit stiffer, stopped her. <laughs> well, after it was over, she go, where'd you, where, where was that prayer written? I said, what do you mean? She said, well, where'd where, who wrote that prayer and where was it written? 
And I said, well, wasn't written anywhere. I came to know Christ as my personal Savior because you gave me a great opening. Everybody at the table, I said, I came to know Christ as my personal Savior when I was 12 years of age. Began the most important relationship of my life. And since then, God has become uh, more important to me than anyone else on the planet. I pray to him and I talk to him about everything. He's more important to me. And he takes first place, even that over my wife. And then she said this, she goes, well, I'll bet your wife don't appreciate that. And I said, oh yeah because I cannot be the husband and the man that she needs me to be unless my relationship with God is first and foremost over even mine with her. Don't give me an opening, I'll go preach on you if you need me to. <laughs> but what we're seeing is that there's absolutely no way. Men, listen to me. If you don't start with God, you're gonna finish bad. There, there is no way you can be to your wife what she needs you to be if your relationship with God is not tucked in and tight because you're gonna need him to whisper things to you through the Holy Spirit throughout that day to make you cover those bases that are so badly needed. And women, the same thing is true with you. Your mate is not like you. The only way that you're gonna really be able to stay on top of this, even with all the knowledge in the books that you might read, is that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit that comes by starting your day out with your Heavenly Father, that is so, so, so important. All right, here's, here's, here's one. We see couples, they get to an impasse, they hurt each other's feelings, uh, they don't communicate, uh, and then all of a sudden there's this catch-22 going on, well, you say you're sorry first. I, I mean, there's all this stuff going on in marriages at, at every season in life. What do you see is some of the greatest triggers that cause some of the biggest arguments? So there's the big three is what we see. Uh, there's usually some, con there usually can be some conflicts about sex and what happens in the bedroom. Uh, there's usually conflict or can be conflict around finances. How do we spend our money? How do we budget our money? And man, with that, it, with, this, with the sex and bedroom issue, we spend a lot of time in 1.0, which by the way, we have all of that. We have books and CDs in the bookstore. Anytime you need a little injection into your marriage to, to help and, and to guide you. Just know we have great resources back there. When it comes to your finances, Financial Peace University yeah, is life-changing. Yeah. And so many times we, Rebecca and I would struggle with our finances and who did what. Should we combine our account and have one account? Well, you know, what should we do? How should we invest? All that stuff. And we took that course and it changed everything. I mean, it, it is a wonderful course. It takes some time. It takes some effort, but it will fix whatever issues you're struggling with within your finances. But the third one, a lot of times that is not talked about, but is always a, usually a bone of contention in marriages is who does what in the home? <laughs> Domestic responsibilities. So uh, what do you do? What do I do to make sure that our house continues to be a healthy house and the things that need to get done on a daily basis that may not be fun, get done. And so early on, that was a big fight with Rebecca and I. And, and honestly, the reason was I wasn't pulling my weight. I wasn't. I figured I, that. I, I figured that. Yes. I didn't understand what I was really supposed to do. I kind of thought uh, that, you know, I was doing what I was supposed to do. And so she was, she was shouldering the majority of the chores that needed to happen in the house. And so if I went golfing or hunting with my buddies or whatever, I always knew that I was going to be in trouble when I got home because she's doing everything and I'm going and having fun. And so when this became this issue, we sat down with a counselor and the counselor, the teaching from the counselor was this, take everything that you have got to get done as a family for that, a, a given week, you write it all down and you divide it up. 
divide it up evenly, divide it up fairly. <laughs> but what we did, so we divided it up. It was, and, here, and, and the great thing about that was when you divide it up, you get to choose what like you enjoy to do more. And yeah. a lot of household stuff isn't always fun, but I like to cook. And Rebecca actually enjoys cleaning up. Isn't that crazy? So I cook, <laughs> she cleans up. I do the grocery shopping for the cooking because I'm doing wow. the cooking. Yes, yeah, so we just, we divided all that up. We have never had a fight about that issue since. Because guess what? As long as I get my chores done, I can go do what yeah. I want to do. If she gets her chores done, she can go do what she wants to do. And we, there's no reason to get upset with yeah. each other. And, and the cool, the kicker to that, you said it, make a list. Yes. Women, listen to me. Men love list. We do not love your verbal list. We love your written down list because we can see an end to your written down list. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Come on, I'm preaching. So write it down, it's so important. Let me give you an insider's frustration when it comes to pastors, when it comes to your church leaders. It always is frustrating to us when somebody wants more information and they'll come up to us and they'll say something like, my teenage son is struggling with, what do I do? And we look at them and we say, are, are they in 4640? Oh, no, they don't, they don't go. I'm like, they just taught a three-week series on that very topic that your teenage son is dealing with. And we cannot take this material to the cafeteria and sit down with him and three of his friends. We cannot run it into your living rooms and say, guys, this is what you need. But believe me when I tell you, everything we do here at the church is about meetings that take place concerning what are you dealing with? What are the problems that our people are facing? What is the culture in which our kids are having to live in today? And then we seek out the Holy Spirit, we get the go from the lead pastor, and everything that we do is created to help you in problems, watch this, that we know you are dealing with. But we cannot take them to you. We create the opportunity for you to jump in and get them. But there are still people that get all the information, read the books, go to the seminars. I mean, they watch Joyce Myers, they've got a plethora of all these kind of things that's coming into their head, but their life's still not changing. Their mess is still the same and things don't look better. What's that about? It's because it's not applied. Like we get the information, but we don't do the work to apply it into our life. And it is frustrating because it is such great information, but it's like this. It's like you look at your kitchen and you, it needs to be remodeled so bad. And you want to save some money, so you want to do the work yourself, but you don't know how. So you go to like this home and garden show and they have this whole seminar on how to remodel your kitchen. And they walk you through it. They got the best carpenters. They got the best planners in there. And they show you specifically how you can remodel your kitchen. And you leave that place and you're so excited because the stuff that you got is so good and you now know how to fix your kitchen and you go directly home and you look and you go right into your living room and you look at your kitchen and you wait for it to change. Huh. Hey, 
the kitchen isn't going to get remodeled until you do what they told you you needed to do. And I'm telling you, this happens all the time. Oh. We'll bring three people through 1.0 or 2.0 or any, you know, spiritual warfare or whatever. And, and they'll, they'll leave and it's like, oh, that was awesome. It was a great weekend. But two or three weeks down the road, six weeks down the road, they call me back and they go, uh, we're hurting, we're struggling, we, we, don't get, we don't know what to do. We tried that 1.0 stuff, it didn't work. And I'll say, please come in, bring your workbooks and let's, let's co- I'll coach you through it. And they'll bring their workbooks in and I'll look in the workbooks and none of the homework's been done. And, it, it, and nothing can change unless we decide we're gonna do the work. It's like we, we talked about last week, we're talking about there's five people that you just can't help. One of those people are those that, are not willing to do the work to get the change that they need. Yeah, yeah. The kitchen will not fix itself. No. And don't be that guy. Don't be the individual that hears the information, you have all the knowledge, but then you don't act on it. Man, we want so badly for every marriage, every marriage in our church of every season and stage of life to just be everything that God would want it to be. Mutually satisfying, needs being met, praying for one another, both of you being the woman or the man of God that wants, God wants you to be, and watch your life grow to a whole nother level of happiness. God does not want you to have an unhappy marriage. He wants it to be absolutely wonderful, one that you love waking up to every day and going home to every night. And God will give you that, but you have to fix the kitchen yourself. Would you stand with me, please, all over the house? Thank you, Pastor Tim. Great memory work this morning. Would you give him a hand? He did all that without notes. <laughs> now go away. You guys are loved. Let me pray for you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, with every married couple in the house, raise your hand, please. If you're standing by your mate, would you grab that hand while it's in the air, please? Just reach over their hand. hand hold your hand up in the air as a mates, as husbands and wives. You have an enemy that's coming against you, always will, in every season of your life. You're gonna go through things as you get older, health issues, changes. You're gonna have to communicate. And ladies, listen to me as a brother, please. He cannot read your mind. Well, I think I could hint to him and he should figure it out. Let me tell you something about men. He will not figure it out. Tell him. Write it down, put it in an email. Honey, I really would wish that we'd have a little more of this. He will not, ladies, hear me. He will not read your mind. We really want to be your hero. We really do. We just need your help. Men, there's a lot of things pressuring us down. You know it. Ask for her help, because that's how God made her. Tell her what's going on. Talk emotions and talk heart, and not just top water stuff. Women deal on a deeper level, and they can handle it, and it'll draw you closer. The powerful name of Jesus, healing in every marriage, happiness and joy, breakthrough, catch 22s, now broken, intimacy, Love, friendship, covenant, in the name of Jesus, amen. You're loved, bye. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
If you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, we'd like to give you an opportunity to do so right now. Romans 10:9 says that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. We'd like to pray and simply invite Jesus to be your savior and the leader of your life. You can pray with me right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I am a sinner who needs forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I ask you to be the leader of my life, to be the Lord of my life, and I want to follow you. I believe God that Jesus is who he said he is. And I choose now to follow him all the days of my life. I commit my life to you. And it is in the precious name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Well, we'd like to congratulate you and share your story with us at info at Again, thanks for joining us.